ABC Grandstand Digital. Grandstand. ABC, ABC Grandstand. On radio, online and on digital radio. Gives himself room and swings across the line. Didn't time it all that well out to Cow Corner. This is Cow Corner, ABC Grandstand's Cricket Show. New South Wales celebrates another Sheffield Shield victory. Make that number 46 if you don't mind. It's must win now for Australia at the T20 World Cup in Bangladesh. And great cricket finals are on around the country. And a former Tasmanian state player, Brett Jeeves, joins us to talk about his playing for Glenorchy in Tasmania. Should be a great weekend. Dan Lonigan here on Cow Corner on Radio Australia across the Pacific and also on Grandstand Digital and with my co-host, Peter Newlands. Welcome, Pete. Hello, Dan. Looking forward to talking to Brett Jeeves about his miracle magpies. Aren't they a, a very much a supercharged team with Ed Cowan, Ben Duncan, Luke Butterworth on board? It's a great time of the year this time, Dan, isn't it? The lovely stable weather and all those great grand finals and in some cases semi-finals taking place in the capital cities around the country. But the season's got some life in it yet. It sure does. And New South Wales, of course, what a good performance that was. The Shield oh. final in Marnica ruined by rain. It's up on the case, Pete, isn't it? They may need to do something about it. Do we need a Shield do something final? something about what? Because uh, the, the Shield final. Do we need to have a Shield final? Because oh, there's so. often been a lot of one-sided Shield finals, hasn't there? Well, there's been some one-sided Shield finals, but gee, there's been some good ones, Dan. Do you think the competition would be improved if they were uh, to just go have a pass-the-post system, first pass-the-post system? Uh, there is talk of a new points system being introduced for next season and beyond, but I'm assuming we'll see the final in its place. So the five-day format, the players love it. The players who don't make it to test level say it's the closest thing, closest thing they get to playing test cricket. I think it would be a shame if we saw the final um, taken off the uh, cricket schedule. Having said that, if she's a long game where it goes one direction, maybe it can be a bit dull, but no, I'm all for keeping it. Did the best team miss out on the final, South Australia, the most consistent team? Well, I think the best team in it was Tasmania, but that's just my own parochial point of view. Do you I think so? I, well, I think it, with Jackson Bird coming back into it, if they'd got to a final, they might have been a better proposition than the, the Warriors. I think if you look at that New South Wales team, it was pretty strong, Dan, and they were missing a lot of players uh, at the World T20 Haddon, and Dougie Bollinger was called up late. I think their depth really shone through, and with Steve Smith, what an emerging star he is. Uh, on Reeks, we'll talk to Moses in a moment. And a pretty complete performance. Josh Hazelwood and Nathan Lyon. I think it's hard to argue that the uh, uh, the strongest team in the competition this year didn't win it. But I'd love to have seen Tasmania in there because I think at the end they were coming good, but they left it too far too late. I think the issue with WA was that they're very good at home. They had that one good win away against Tasmania, but generally they did struggle away from home. Oh yes, and they lost their what their last three matches. Although the the mm. final was in fact uh, was in fact a draw. So I don't think there's too many arguments about the fact that. Uh, the best team won through. And I think this idea of the home team having the right to control a game is fair enough. If you are top of the shield table after the home and away rounds, and you've probably got a right to dictate things if you if you want, provided the surface is fair and it gives an opportunity for both sides to win. I think the team that uh, gets to the final first has every right to grind it out in the first innings and put a lot of overs into uh, the opposition, which is what New South Wales did in that game. They made WA by, what, 168 or so overs in the first innings. And from that moment, after New South Wales posted 4-4-7, WA probably were cooked. But oh, no, I think it's a, it's a competition with so much going for it, so much integrity, and I wouldn't want to tweak with its format too much. 
We'll talk to Gav Joshi very shortly in Bangladesh. Australia have must-win games now. A bit disappointing against Pakistan, and the Pakistani side were just a bit too strong. Uh, do you think the Australians are a bit old, Pete, for this format, some of the players in that team? Maybe a bit slow in the field. We saw Brad Hogg drop, but was it Umar Akmal? When he was in the mid twenties, on his way to a defining match-defining ninety-four, maybe a hog with his years. Brad Hodge is an older player, but he's an elite batsman, so he's fine. Aaron Finch, not the fleetest in the field. You've got the likes of Bollinger, maybe even Watson as well. So the fielding unit looks a little bit heavy-legged to me. Uh, whether Australia tries to, to to juice it up a little bit in the next game against the West Indies with some younger legs, I'm not sure. I'm not. We're not talking about football just yet, but Australia looked a little bit uh, on the aged side and maybe a bit slow in the field in that game Sunday night. And as to how we go on the win against the West Indies, well, 2020 cricket, Dan, it's a 50-50 game, isn't it? Every time we toss the coin, I think we'll be okay. Hopefully we'll get on the winning list and uh, make a run for the semi-finals. Well, that's right. If they lose this week, they're just about out of contention. So it's a, it's a vital game against the West Indies. But New South Wales, Pete, they continue to celebrate, don't they, after that wonderful win in the Shield final? When I say wonderful win, they, uh, of course, have done the job to win the Sheffield Shield for this year because they finished on top and they drew the final, which was played by rain the last couple of days. But they set it up with a magnificent batting performance. Well, that's right. Uh, 447. With New South Wales total, Moses Onriks made 140. And in reply to that, WA made just 180. That's more or less game over. And the New South Wales was miles ahead uh, at lunch after lunch on the final day. And they sensibly called the game off. Uh, the entire fourth day was washed out because of Raymond. That's a pretty emphatic win from New South Wales. Uh, Hazelwood impressive with the new ball. But Steve Smith, uh, Moses Onriks. Uh, were uh, were at their best in that game, and the Blues take the title for the 46th time, and well done to them for doing that. We'll endeavour to catch up with Moses on Reeks, but let's talk firstly about all these great cricket finals uh, that are on around the country this weekend. Semi-finals in New South Wales, and just before we speak to our first guest in Melbourne, we've got Footscray and Estenden, and it's terrific that we've got two teams that haven't been there for a long time. Footscray have won one district cricket final, 79-80, Essendon Toon, their last win was 69-70. In Hobart, and we're just about to speak to Brett Jeeves and uh, about his team, Glenorchy, who take on Sandy Bay South Hobart. In Perth, it's Wanneroo against Claremont Netherlands. In Brisbane University, doing battle with Valley. In Adelaide, Tea Tree Gully and Port Adelaide. And the two Sydney semi-finals, Sydney Uni against Randwick Petersham and Manly doing battle with Bankstown. Uh, it's a, a lot of good cricket to look forward to there on Cow Corner with myself, Peter Newlands, and Dan Lonigan. Uh, we're talking cricket. And as you said, Dan, it's Glenorchy versus South Hobart Sandy Bay in the TCA Grand Final in Hobart in southern Tasmania. It's a promoter's dream. The unfashionable Glenorchy up against South Hobart Sandy Bay striving for their first ever title as a combined entity. Last weekend, fourth place Glenorchy after trailing by 25 runs on the first innings, rolled first place Clarence in 34 overs, uh, therefore giving themselves enough time to knock off 109 runs to swoop into the final. And that's a very interesting uh, game of cricket that was. It's a unique combination of local talent and big stars. Think Dunk, Cowan and Butterworth. They're called the Miracle Magpies. And the coach and playing coach, Brett Jeeves, joins us now on Cow Corner. Brett, uh, do you see it that way? You've got a Miracle Magpies team with an unfashionable background taking on the uh, the guys from the other side of town. 
Pete, what, uh, what I didn't like about that was the term unfashionable. I'm rocking some sort of hipster cool beard, and I think I'm bringing fashion back to the Glenorchy boys. Uh, we're no longer the jean-wearing Rossi boot boys of the northern suburbs. Yeah, we're rocking beards and all sorts of uh, hippie colours. But, um, no, look, yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty fair assessment. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, yeah, look, uh, I'm, I'm still coming to terms with the weekend. Um, we lost on first innings, chasing 275, set up by Johnny Wells, who, who batted very well for, for over 100, uh, anchored the Clarence innings, and we, we fell short by 25. But when you've got a when you've got Ben Dunk in your team and he scores 140 off, uh, I think, less than 100 balls, you know, the game was played at a, at a really good pace, which left us with close to 50 overs left in the match. And, you know, I think our boys certainly hadn't hadn't given it up and... Um, you know, to, to Clarence's well, dismay in the end, I guess, you know, they, they may have taken it a little bit easily that um, the second innings opened the batting with, with two lads that batted at eight and nine in the first, in, in the first dig. Um, I think, you know, to give them a, a bit of a, an opportunity at a, at a, at a bat before the final and, um, and they have backfired on them a little bit. Lukey Butterworth put on a clinic and, and does what he does. He hit really good lengths at Bell Reeve and, and we were able to pull off um, something remarkable. So, yeah, we, we get our chance at, um, at back-to-back premierships. Now, Jeezy, are you a ranter and raver as a coach? Uh, when you fell behind at the end of the first innings, did you get stuck into them? Well, Dan, what are your thoughts there? Can you, can you see me as a ranter and a raver? Absolutely not, but uh, we're, we're just trying to portray you as one of these coaches that can inspire your team when they need to be inspired. Oh look, it was it was pretty relaxed to be honest. I mean, obviously we were we were very disappointed. You know, falling twenty five short was was a really bad result. Um, you know, we lost we lost wickets at bad times uh, before and after breaks. And yeah, you know, I mean, they're old cricket cliches. You know, you, you really want to secure your wickets in, in and around those times. But um, yeah, you know, I, I just think as, as soon as we walked out and saw that yeah you know, that maybe Clarence didn't didn't quite have their eye on the ball. Uh, by by sending out their eight and nine from the first innings, we, we were a chance. And uh, yeah, pre- pressure does some really funny things to the minds. And you know, as soon as Clarence were two for five, and and Shannon Tubb and um, John Wallace were at the crease, yeah, you know, they, they they were they were then batting for the game. Um, and uh, you know, like I said, Butsy Butsy put in a stellar performance. So I think for us in the in the Magpies, you know, one of, one of the keys for us is. Is how we support Luke. We're not we're not overly reliant on him with the ball. We had boys chip in and, and, and take wickets at key times, but you know also bowl and understand their role when when bowling with Luke when it's when he's on such a role that he was on the weekend. What do, what do you think it means, Brett, for young players, aspiring club players who may never get to anywhere near international cricket to be in the same uh, team in a big game with the likes of yourself and uh, Ed Cowan and Ben Duncan, Luke Butterworth? What does it mean to a uh, just an average sort of grade player? Do you think? It means um, it means plenty of free gear, um, <laughs> which yeah, and, to, and to put that into 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 perspective, Eddie Cowan walked into the rooms on the last day and said, "Well, boys, season's over. Here's a bag full of gear. Help yourself." Um, and so there were pads and gloves. Uh, shame that Eddie's left-handed and and I'm right-handed. Otherwise, I would have been right right in the thick of it. But um, you know, I think I think aside from having a laugh, um, you know what what that does to to our boys, it, it just gives them. Enormous confidence, you know, and Eddie, Eddie and and Dunkey are, are, are really good communicators. You know, they're really good at, at sort of talking through inningses and how to build inningses and uh, field placements. And you know, Butsy, 
probably not the world's greatest communicator, but what he does is he, he leads by example. And, and most importantly for us at Glenorchy, uh, Butts is true blue Glenorchy. He's a, he's a Bridgewater boy, you know, true northern suburbs, um, public school lad, same as myself. We went to school together. And, and what, what grade cricket and the Glenorchy Cricket Club means to him is, is something really special, special. I think everyone feeds off that. You're going for back-to-back, Brett. I mean, how much will that help you in your endeavours to do that, having been here before, of course, just last year? Yes, certainly one of one of the positives to that is that we beat South Hobart last year in the final, and, and obviously we're coming up against them this week. So you know, I think mentally we, we, we've got a um, an edge over them. Um, you know, they may have had our um, our measure throughout the roster season. You know, they 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 certainly handed it to us in in the last roster match. Um, but you know, you know, I think heading into a final, they'll, they'll certainly have memories of last year and. Um, you know, I, th- I think that that's really important that we attempt to play on that. They're also without Timmy Vandergooten, who is um, is off representing the Netherlands in the T20 World Cup and doing quite well, a uh, terrific cricketer and, and, and a nice young lad with a huge future in the game. So that that certainly leaves um, you know a really big hole in their in their bowling stocks. He's he's been terrific all year. Young lad by the name of Hamish Kingston's been good as well. So. Um, yeah, look, certainly, certainly, I think we um, we head into the three-day final with a, with a smallish advantage, and also having played at Belrive last week um, also gives us a little bit of an, an advantage as well. Brett, good luck in the game. Thanks for your time. Good luck to your American magpies. <laughs> fashionable magpies, we are Peter. The fashionable magpies. <laughs> of course, you're fashionable. Only having, only having a bit of fun. Thanks very much, Brett Jeeves. Gee, was a good player, great talent. Achieved a lot on the field and has done a fantastic job uh, with that club at Glenorchy, which is a wonderful uh, cricket club with a great tradition. And he's uh, really uh, making a great great contribution there now that his first-class days are over. Dominates with the bat and still pretty handy with the ball off a short run, Dan. So, yeah, that's what club cricket's all about. Yeah, looking forward to it. Might try and uh, see if I can uh, sneak down a bit later today and have a look at Footscray and Essendon. As I said, it's it's great uh, to see two teams that haven't been there for a long, long time. Footscray have got John Hastings. Dean Russ has played a couple of games for Victoria and Jake Haverfield from South Australia, who's dominated this year. And Clint Mackay helped get Essendon home against the Red Hots and killed her last week with the bat. Got support from some younger players. So uh, it will be a fantastic atmosphere down at the Junction Oval as it no doubt uh, would be a great atmosphere, Pete, in New South Wales at the moment after they won the Shield, as we mentioned earlier on the program. That's right. For the 46th time, New South Wales won the Sheffield Shield. It made 447 in its first innings. In reply, WA made 180, and the game went only one way from there. But the innings that underpin that first inning score of New South Wales was 140 from Moses Henriques. Big performances in big games count. And this innings will not go unnoticed by national selectors. And Moses Onrex joins us now on Cow Corner. Thanks for your time. Moses, how have the celebrations been since uh, taking that uh, beautiful Sheffield Shield earlier this week? Yeah, mate, it was um, an amazing feeling taking that shield and, and the boys have celebrated appropriately thus far. Tell us about the game, Moses. I mean, uh, you're in a bit of trouble, but uh, have you ever batted better? Look, um... Yeah, we, we lost a few quick wickets there, but to be completely honest with you, um, Steve Smith and Ryan Carter's batted for the majority of day one. Um, the wicket was a little bit green in the morning, and uh, we got off to a very good start, and I think we are one for 150, so we, we weren't in a great deal of strife, and then we lost three or four quick ones after that, but Steve and Ryan really uh, grinded away at their bowlers and you know made them bowl two or three spells and 
kept making their big blokes come back and have to keep bowling. So, um, you know, I was once I got past that, obviously the initial first first couple of spells after I walked out to bat, um, you know, the game was already 60 overs in, and and uh, if I could just last last until the end of that day, especially, and make them come out a second day, and then grind away on day two. I knew that I was going to be able to be the beneficiary of a great uh, second week of partnership. Now, you've played in um, all around the world in international tournaments and you've toured with Australia quite extensively. What does playing and winning a Shield final mean to you? This is um, obviously playing for New South Wales. Um, This is where I made my first class debut, playing for New South Wales. This is where I grew up. This is the first ground I ever played cricket on professionally. It's it's my home. I feel like this is my home. Um, I, I don't know how else to put it yet, but, um, and I, I don't think I'll really understand the meaning of it until I until I finish playing. We've we've actually lucky enough today. We've we've actually had lunch with a few of the past players from New South Wales, and we're actually just comparing stories and listening to guys like Wayne Holdsworth and Greg Matthews and even Frank Nissen talk stories from when when they played cricket for New South Wales. Is, it's just fantastic, and you can just see the passion that they speak about it. And I'm sure, you know, in, if I'm lucky enough to, to live that long in 20 or 30 or 40 years' time, hopefully I can speak with the same passion that they do. With that innings, Moses, I mean, you've had a bit of a taste of international cricket. Uh, do you feel you're ready if an opportunity comes up again later in the year uh, to, to maybe make it a more permanent opportunity for you in the Australian team? Yeah, look, I think, um, as I said before this match, I, I said this game coming up is probably you know, one of the biggest games of my career and and I, I, I don't regret saying I think that was the right thing to say. And as I think my next game that I play, what, whatever it is, is going to be the most important game of my career. If I'm not getting better and if I'm not improving every single game I play and if I don't place that sort of importance on every first game or every first class game that I play or every test game, Whatever, whatever game it might be, if I'm not placing that sort of importance, then I'm not learning and I'm not getting better. So I think, um, you know, as a professional cricketer, you have to take that sort of mentality in, into each and every game that you play and expect and try to get better. Would you like to be playing more first-class cricket at this stage of your career? Um, yeah, I mean, I played. I, was, I only played four first-class games, but, you know, I had the opportunity to go on a test tour with Australia this series, and whilst I didn't play... Um, if the opportunity arose on that test series to play test cricket, then you know that it would have been a completely different story. And it turned out that I happened to be part of a touring party that won a test series away in South Africa, and you know that was a great feeling. And um, whilst I didn't play any cricket, um, I'm sure that you know I'm still young enough to, to play more cricket and to keep getting better and to play you know, to make up for that later later on. Moses, congratulations on the win. Keep enjoying the celebrations and uh, enjoy a bit of time off. No doubt we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for joining us in Cow Corner. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. Moses Enrique, star New South Wales all-rounder, who, as we said, Pete, made the innings that uh, put the game beyond doubt, really. He did mention Steve Smith and Ryan Carters, as Mm. can be the case when you bat first and you're the team that are hosting the final. You can bat pretty slowly, as they did on the first day, and... And then he was the one that cashed in later on. He sure did. I think it's interesting to hear what players all over the country, it comes through 
very clearly every season just how much this competition means to professional players. Even though they might, like a Moses on Rex, travel the world and play internet with international teams in different tournaments, the Shield competition still means a lot. And I think it still means a lot in the eyes of selectors, particularly in big games like the final. And I think that's why it, it needs to stay, and I think it will stay. And uh, I think we saw over the last weekend that Onrix has got a, a, is improving very nicely and can play a big innings in a big game, which he did. Now, just looking, and we touched on it earlier, the Men's World T20 World Cup, and it's in Bangladesh, and the Australian team need to keep winning, need to start winning, obviously. Mm. They dropped their first match there in Group 2 with India, and the West Indies, who they play in the next match, and Pakistan, who beat them, and Bangladesh. And in the first group, Sri Lanka, who uh, undefeated New Zealand, South Africa, England and the Netherlands uh, in that order. So, as I say, it is a vital game for the Australians as they just try and, uh, well, bat a bit better, field a bit better, uh, uh, bowl a bit better. I mean, I thought their batting, other than Maxwell, who was going to win the game on his own, uh, was pretty poor the other night, wasn't it? Uh, Finch was okay, gave him good support, seemed to be a little bit out of nick, but uh, they were the only two that uh, showed any resistance whatsoever. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Australia in the field. Uh, obviously, Brad Hogg dropped that catch. Well, that's never helpful to any cricket team anywhere, and it's not because he's an older player. But uh, Hogg's dro- when he dropped that catch off Umar Akmal, it didn't help Australia's cause, not at all. And then when you think about the likes of Bollinger and, you know, um, of course, Aaron Finch and uh, Brad Hodge, and they're, they're players that absolutely should be in that team. And uh, maybe even Shane Watson. The team looked a little bit heavy-legged in the, to me in the outfield. Maybe the Australian uh, uh, Brains Trust will try and tweak that a bit and put a slightly more fleet of foot side into the field against the West Indies. But look, it's, it's such a game on the day, uh, the 2020 format. And who knows, on, on Friday, Australia may yet uh, pull, out, pull out a 9 out of 10 game and get right back into the tournament. That's one of its charms, I think, the 2020 game. But Australia gets a little bit found out, I think, on Sunday. Pakistan have always been very good at it, haven't they? I mean, the Akmal brothers are yep. very good players. Very and, good. Uh, they've done a lot over the years to help Pakistan, to ensure that Pakistan have been up there, and uh, they'll be fascinating to watch. I reckon they're one of the teams to beat. Mind you, Sri Lanka, also going to be pretty tough to beat, aren't they, Pete? Uh, they absolutely will. But I think it's, as long as you stay in contention, and even New Zealand uh, might be able to do something if they can get to the semi-final stage. I sort of wonder about Australia's depth and its resources in the slow bowling department. We've talked about poor old Hoggy, who had a bad game against Pakistan. Then you've got Muirhead and Maxwell. I'm just wondering about that as, a, as an overall package in terms of slow and spin bowling. Maybe other teams are better served in those conditions. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, look, there's, there's been some uh, magnificent sixes hit. I mean, the other night, Glenn Maxwell batted as well as I've seen him bat. I mean, he is the big show and, as I say, threatened to take that game away. But, uh, Pete, that's sort of your stat of the week, isn't it? Well, my stat of the week comes down to just how fast can one go when, when you're batting. Now, Maxwell made 50 of 18 balls against Pakistan. And that is up there when it comes to uh, the amount of balls faced to score a 50 in 2020 cricket. However, Yuvraj Singh has got the benchmark. 12 balls playing against England in Durban in September 2007. 12 balls to make 50 runs. That included six sixes in one Stuart Broad over, which means, of course, he had uh, four balls to make 14 more runs. So you can only go as low as nine. Let's let's assume then legal deliveries, Dan. Nine is the, the... Minimum. So we've got Yuvraj Singh on 12. Can someone go to either 11 
or 10 or perhaps 9. I mean, that'd be crazy if they did. Uh, and uh, it, presumably at some point someone will go below that mark of 12. Uh, Paul Sterling of Ireland's on 17, as is Stephen Myber of Holland in that amazing win over Ireland. Then there's Dave Warner and Maxwell on 18, with Warner in again on 19 balls and Gautam Gambier also on 19 balls. That is the number of balls needed to make 50 in a T20 innings in international cricket. I reckon, Pete, from an Australian perspective, both Maxwell and Warner and even Finch are capable of doing it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But you mean to go below 12? Yes. Well, I think I, I guess there's a lot of players who are capable of doing it, but it would mean six, at least six sixes in one over, or maybe not at least, but you know, ideally you do that, and you need to just knock off a few more and get it get that marked down. It's part of the attraction of the game. We'll have to wait and see if it happens this tournament. I think 12 looks pretty solid at the moment as a, as a benchmark. Well, we'll have more on the T20 World Cup for men and women next week on Cow Corner and more on the grey cricket matches and the finals around the country. Enjoy your week in cricket, Pete. We'll catch you next week. ABC Grandstand Digital.